Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Hi, everybody. This is Slay House Publishing presents Lipbits, and this is Jeremy, and with me as always is Trevor. Hey. That was not near as funny that as the last episode. That was the smoothest intro I think we've ever done. I know. I'm, so simple. I think I'm feeling sick today, folks. So pure. I, I'm not myself. I don't know why that was so easy to do. It's. It shouldn't be. It should be. Well, hold on. <laughs> Could it be that we're crossing a threshold here? We're getting so comfortable in our ro- roles. We've been doing this for a year. Yeah. It has been a year. Holy shit. It's been a year. Holy fuck. Since okay. we started this this endeavor. Well, you're right. So maybe we are getting more comfortable in the roles. Maybe we're just getting tired. Maybe the coffee's wearing <laughs> off. It's tired. Maybe the coffee's wearing off. <laughs> or the tea. So, Trevor drinks tea, sleepy not Sleepy Jeremy over yeah. here. You've just pissed off everybody who doesn't like yawning. I just pissed off narcoleptics. (laughs) (laughs) We we lost narcoleptics as an audience. I feel like we would have lost them at some point anyway. (laughs) Uh, Today we are in the, I was scolded last episode, so I'm not going to say the summer of Universal Horror. I'm going to just say the series of Universal series Horror. Series of Universal Horror is <laughs> because way Because we're now accurate. out of summer. We're, we're like um, definitely out of summer by Initially, this, this was intended to be our summer. It was. Yeah. And then life blew up on me and uh, nothing worked out the way we wanted it to. God damn you, life. Yeah, fuck you, life. Uh, so bro, <laughs> stupid game. You know, you realize like the the I'm going off on a tangent already. <laughs> the the game of life, the Hasbro game, the yeah, board yeah. game. What a shitty game that is. Yeah, you can't you you can't make any real decisions except whether or not you want to go into debt for college. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing you get to decide. You don't get to decide when you have kids. You don't get to have to de- get to decide. You don't even really get to decide what career path you're going to take because you just draw a bunch of cards and it's just like, well, I guess you're a cop now. <laughs> Good thing life doesn't really work like that, except I was about to say. <laughs> except it does. Except it does. And fuck you, Hasbro and Biden, because I still have <laughs> gone into debt. Even after that piddly little ten thousand dollar. Fuck you, Biden. Oh I man. Mean, I mean, can I get political for a minute and say I'd still prefer Biden over Trump any day of the week? But oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, but but that's also like I would prefer eating on a slug to eating on fucking like like you know acid or something. It's it's like yeah, there's it's a no brainer. Of course, I'd like to eat a slug instead of get gut shot. <laughs> Oh, too bad there's not a third viable choice. Um, Ranked choice voting. Yeah. yeah. Got rid of Sarah Palin. She's pissed. Uh, um, Anyway. Well, I'm sorry about that. We're not talking. We didn't come on to talk about politics today. I'm sorry about that, don't you know? (laughs) Maybe she can continue to look at Russia from her front porch. That's the only thing I have on Sarah Palin. I'm sorry. Um, We can move on. Yeah. We need to get off of Sarah Palin. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Officer Palin. Rector, I hardly knew her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Governor. <laughs> I barely know her. Governor, I barely know her. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh 
And to segue off the rails, we haven't even introduced our topic today. <laughs> to segue from that, we're talking about uh, invisible. The man. reason you can't see our topic today, <laughs> it's invisible. It's invisible, like our topic. It's the invisible man, just like the script. It's invisible. <laughs> Scripter, I barely knew her. <laughs> This is the worst. This is the whole episode. We never even get to talk about the movie. It's just us trading bad jokes. No bad jokes. Nobody wants to hear. Yeah. Um. My God. We. This is a. You know what? This is kind of a fun movie, though. It's it's the the second I think of James Wales's horror movies. I yep. believe he only ever did three. Yeah. And that that was Frankenstein and then uh, Invisible Man and then then, Bride of of Frankenstein. So 1933. uh, A fun fact that I learned uh, from researching all of this and looking at it again was that of the authors that they mined to get these stories Uh and draw from – H.G. Wells was the only one still alive when this movie came out. That's Actually, wild. I think he was still alive when all, the entire series came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really wild. H.G. <clears throat> Wells is such an interesting literary figure. Yep. Um, and I think that if you're, if you're looking to introduce kind of a science fiction movie yeah. to the masses, if you're looking to, to introduce like science fiction, anything to the masses, I feel like H.G. Wells is a great place to go. Oh, yeah. And H.G. Yeah. Wells, I think, is, is also kind of interestingly a controversial choice okay. in retrospect because hg uh, wells was a pretty thoroughly well-known socialist mm, yeah and um and in a uh, in america where it feels like nothing that was even remotely communist or socialist uh could survive through the 50s um we're still reading hg wells's work today and I, I do find it interesting that H.G. Wells is not uh, at least commonly known to be a socialist. Uh, and yet his his work is so profoundly socialist all over the place, yeah. including The Invisible Man. How much of science fiction, though, is actually like delves into socialism? It feels like a lot of it. Or at oh, least... yeah. But, well, I mean, I think well, bear I think with me for Star a second because I actually do have a, a little bit of a theory of science fiction if you will yeah uh, but I think science fiction is oftentimes um, kind of interested in the utopian longing even the dystopian stories are really trying to to search for the hope in dystopia yeah and as a result I think science fiction uh, is frequently you know kind of concerned with the human future and trying to paint for us a human future that is favorable you know, to humans in, yeah. in whatever shape uh, or, or form. And as a result, I think science fiction lends itself to that utopian search. I definitely feel like uh, when facing the rigors of capitalism, whether it be, uh, you know, kind of early industrialism or like we're in the stages of late capitalism uh, where, where, you know, we've kind of come to the completion <laughs> of capitalist's mission, um, uh, the commodification of everything in our lives, right? I definitely feel like um, socialism is is much more utopian. Its yeah. energies, I think, are more utopian. Now, I know there are some listeners out there who are who are going to disagree with me. They're going to say like, uh, this isn't necessarily a political rant, right? I'm not right. I'm not here to debate uh, politics, but I I will say the notion 
that uh, you know we could live in a truly egalitarian uh, society where everyone's needs are met and that uh, all are, are treated equitably. I believe that to be a very uh, utopian idea. Well, the problem that people do get wrangled by this is that they have so long been confused by they they lump all of the isms into something oh, sure, together yeah. like bad. They think they think socialism is communism is fascism. They think right. they're all the same thing and they're not. They don't understand no. that there are um you know some very very positive governments out there that that speak to primarily socialist kind of sensibilities just like there right. are some very positive programs in the United States that are very socialist that if we got rid of them they'd be like no wait you can't do that right. it's like that like like the national parks and the the sure. interstate highway those are socialist your fucking programs. libraries your libraries <laughs> your, your your firefighters i mean firefighter police police i mean any of these these well okay the police yeah. are fascist the police are fascist <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if you're a policeman, but yeah, uh, yeah. come on. Yeah. Come um, on. Come on. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, they, they, they get confused because all of these terms, they, we have a mix of uneducated public who don't understand the difference in these terms. And we have a, a media that, that, that. Well, at least for a long intendedly time. Con- yeah. Yeah. Con- intentionally confuses these terms. Right to muddle the waters so that they can vilify yeah. anybody who doesn't agree with them. Right, yeah, exactly. Which is why it's so surprising to me that here's this movie, this, uh, you Thanks know, Invisible Man. Thanks for getting us back on track. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> The Invisible Man, adapted from H.G. Wells, uh, who was very much a socialist writer. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, The Invisible Man, as an adaptation, is actually, like, fairly accurate. There's one bit of the story that I don't recall being in the book. What part is that? Uh, the the part with his girlfriend, with Griffin's girlfriend. Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't recall in the book him having a a, a, a woman love interest, mm. but I do think that the addition of a love interest does help complicate the story enough to actually make its point a little bit clearer. And what's the point? Well, and, do we or do we want to summarize first? I think Which, let's uh, go ahead and summarize for. I'll us. let you summarize. Oh. Because you've read it. I mean, you, you. I wasn't prepared to summarize. I wasn't either. Well, okay. No, I kind <laughs> no, of. I, I, I can summarize. I'm kidding. Okay, I, okay. I can summarize. Okay. I can summarize. All right. So this guy Griffin, he finds uh, the secret to invisibility, and unfortunately, he finds out that invisibility maybe isn't the greatest gift of all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as a result, he he feels kind of isolated from the rest of the world, and he just goes on a big old crime spree. Yep. He just goes around beating people up, uh, committing acts of violence, committing acts of, of uh, violence against, uh, you know, various institutions uh, to the point that finally um, the police are forced to track him down and kill him. Yep. There's no other way to end his reign of terror. And again, we're introducing some of these out of order because we had already talked about Bride of Frankenstein. But I feel like this film introduces us to the cringy old lady that was there for come. Oh, uh, she's relief. great. She's she's great. Whoa, oh, the Cockney- oh my god! <laughs> oh god no! Oh no! <laughs> it's a festival. <laughs> and then she comes back because they like, oh, we can't get enough of her. James Whale, James Whale again. Uh, yeah, like, well, oh. it's James Whale who like, who puts her in both movies. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, I think she's great. Uh, this movie is interesting, um, just just stylistically. I think not just because it's got some great special effects. Let me tell you, if I was under under uh, wowed 
if you will, if I if I was a little disappointed by the special effects in the Mummy, this movie delivers its special effects in spades. So I read about how they did the special oh, effects. Oh, I am ready to hear it. All right. So, um, where am I? I'm right here. I, I have a script, folks. I have a script. Um, <laughs> he can't read it though, so some, because it's some, invisible. It's invisible. Woo! It's floating around. Why doesn't it stop? Well, okay. it, no, hold so on. Some... Slow down. Because that joke doesn't even work. No, if it, it were invisible, you couldn't see it floating around. You just see an empty hand. That's true. Like your your hand is empty because you're not invisible. Well, I was I was segueing to the next idea, okay, which is that right. some props were controlled by wires. Oh yeah, of but, course you can definitely tell some yeah, of that. But there were others where they had like the stunt double encased in black. Almost entirely. And it was usually the stunt level. It usually wasn't Claude uh-huh. Rains, even though I think he did maybe one or two. Um, and they had a black background. And then they used the traveling map process, uh-huh. overlaying film on film to uh, add footage to appear that the Invisible Man was like floating objects. So what you might have, like when they did the the, the unmasking scene, when he takes yeah, the yeah, bandages yeah, yeah, yeah. off, the stunt double was filmed on a black background and he had black mask over his entire face. And so he takes the whole so he thing. Takes the he bandages unravels off. it and you just get the black And then matting. you overlay that on top of the scene and it looks on like On top of the, the kind of like the, the the back of his gauzy head or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was like fucking it's wild. It's so smart though. It's yeah. such a, it, like even, even 90 years later these special effects are so cool to watch. What's, I mean, think about it folks though. This was not these aren't computer-generated special effects. No. These are practical effects. One of my doing. favorite things is when he's singing. He's singing that that lullaby or whatever, and he's he's skipping down the the street in his pants, mm-hmm. and his pants go through these little portions where the light hits his pants for a second, <laughs> and, and like I know that that was not you know done in scene. Like it was you know somebody just it's a separate piece of film that they overlaid on on top of the other film. Um, and yet those little flashes of light where they, they flash the light over the pants kind of in sequence when he's running from shadow into the light. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. It's so good. It's so <laughs> smart because these little details sell the whole scene. Like yeah. when he's unraveling the gauze around his head mm-hmm. and you, you see through the eye holes and through the, the nose hole of his like weird gauzy mask mm-hmm. to the back of the gauze. Yeah. It's so smart. <laughs> it's so smart. Yeah. And it sells the whole scene. I yeah. love it. It's so cool. They did a phenomenal job of that. And I, I am with you. I, I To this day, it holds up. I mean, yeah. I don't think there have been any other Invisible Man remakes that, because most of them I think are computer generated special effects. A lot of them. I, I mean, most of them. I mean, I feel like there was one, uh, there was one with Chevy Chase. Yeah, memoirs uh, of an invisible. Yeah, man. memoirs of an invisible. I like man. that one. I that, seem like. Yeah, it was it was good. There were some really good ideas in that one. But then there was the one with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, uh, the Rain Man. No, not Rain Man. <laughs> 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 That's a very different movie. <laughs> De- definitely invisible. Definitely what, no, invisible. What, what was that definitely. movie? What was the movie with with Kevin Bacon in it? I don't remember. It's not Rain Man. No. I'm thinking of something because he's in the rain. Oh no! At the oh, end no. of the he, movie, he took his hat off. I can't see him. Oh no! Oh no! Can't see. Can't see him. No no. <laughs> We're. I'm what, not, what, what, what's that movie? If you think of the movie, folks, email us at editor at slayhouse.com, and you can remind us of the movie. We we just Google it if we weren't in the sweaty box. Can I Google it in the sweaty box? The answer is always no. You're right because my phone is. 
like I'm in the end. I don't even remember. I don't remember. I don't I remember, remember the name Elizabeth of it. I remember Elizabeth Shue um, and Kevin Bacon. I know what you're talking about. It's got some, it's some, the something man. It plays with the exact same idea Yeah. that power if, comes if you, with a price. Right. You turn invisible, you kill people. And you become, ad, yeah. you become crazy. There was also the, the 2020 remake with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. That was a very different kind of uh, Invisible Man movie. Yeah. He used but it's still really good. It was like Iron Man was a stalker. Yeah. I think that's the way I put it. When yeah. We went to go if, Iron Man, if Iron Man uh, were really into like spousal abuse. Yeah. That's that movie. Yeah. Um, but this movie I think is, is great. I mean, it, you know, it kind of set the tone for a lot of how we are going to do invisibility in movies. Um, which I think is fun. There's yeah. a lot of really fun, you know, kind of uh, sets, uh, a lot of fun props, a lot of fun like, wow, they really did that, you know, kind of kind of uh, activity. It is funny at parts, yeah. tonally. I think it, it can go dark, but then it also swings, swings real big with the comedy. Um, I think the Cockney accents help to sell the comedy. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's everything's just kind of exaggerated. It's yep. it's very like pantomimish, in yeah. in my opinion. More of that vaudevillian. Yes, kind of very exaggerated. Like, like Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. very exaggerated. Yeah. Um, and yet, at its core, I think this movie is still trying to have a conversation, and it's having a conversation on two fronts. Just mm-hmm. like I think the novel is having a conversation on two fronts. See, I've still got to read the novel. The first, the novel's pretty good. I mean, HG, you can't go wrong with H.G. Wells. Right. Uh, he's stellar, but um, the 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 main th- two themes I think the the first one is about the corruptibility of man, uh, because it, it's all about like well you know what happens if you give a dude power, and yeah. and, and you give a dude power that that you know really no humans should have, they use that power poorly, and that's kind of the the note I think H. G. Wells is is using here. Um, the guy gets a superpower and the, and uh, it's a bad superpower. <laughs> you know, like, like it, 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 what do you do with invisibility other than shady things? Yeah. Um, I love this conversation because in a lot of college classrooms, I would run into um, some philosophers who would ask questions like, you know, if you could have the, the, the power of flight or invisibility, which would you choose? And the realization of what you would choose, like, tells me more about your character. Yeah. So if, if you choose invisibility, almost every time someone justifies invisibility, it's like, so I could listen to things I shouldn't be listening to. Yeah. Should, so I could or rob see banks. things I don't Is it right? see. Right. So I, so I could see things that I'm not supposed to be allowed yeah. to see so that I could do things or, or abscond with things, you know, that, that I wouldn't be able to do in the light of day. That's the that's the joke that's made. There's an early episode. Trevor's going to laugh at me here, but it was I was a huge fan of it. Early episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I'm not going to make fun of you for liking yeah. Buffy. I mean, that was a fun show. I like that. And they hit a lot of these. I same... mean, I, there's some problematic elements to Buffy, but I'm there not. Are. I I feel like Buffy's safe. I mean, most of them are Joss Whedon himself. <laughs> Joss Whedon is the problem. No, I, like let's be real. The problem I have with Buffy is Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah, and and let me be clear too that. I was originally going to quit watching like Buffy and and like the other shows that Joss Whedon spurred, sure. but I realized that there are a lot of other people involved in those shows that I want to pay you know tribute to other than Joss Whedon. So it's kind of like me with the Avengers, right? I can't exactly. let go of the Avengers. I still love the yeah. Avengers. 
So we watch them not for Joss Whedon, but for, right. for the other for, people. For the involved. other things that it brings me. Right. Yep. So same thing with Buffy. And there was an early episode of Buffy where um, there was a girl who is made invisible because every, simply because everybody ignored her. And they're in this magical oh, yeah. kind of place anyway. But that's that question comes up in the episode, like, you know, what would you do with this power? And the guy, the young teenage guy that's with them and their little group, you know, he's always he's a star of the show, too. It's not obviously not Buffy, but it's her friend. Sure. And the thing that he lands on is like and it's kind of passed off as a joke, but it's like meant. I think it touches on what you're talking about is this idea of. He's like, well, yeah, I would go spy on the, the girls' locker room or something. Right, of course, always. Yeah. It's so always it, the it, thing it, you do. It's always something that's creepy that you're going to do with Right, this. exactly. It's never anything altruistic that's coming on with... Right, <laughs> exactly. And that's the whole point. You know, the whole yeah. point is like so often when it when you get invisibility, it's like you want to do the things that would be shameful to do in, in real life. And and that's because uh, at, at your core, you're a bad person. Yeah. If you if you want uh, invisibility, I don't think you're necessarily a bad person, but I think that you should really definitely think about where your ethical boundaries are. Yeah. Because if you had invisibility and you just would go and break all of those ethical boundaries, how good a person can you be? Well, one thing that that, that one ups this this whole idea, especially in this episode, is. And I'll spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but I don't give a shit. So you want to feel sorry for this girl, right? <laughs> 90 though, years later. I mean, I'm talking about the Buffy episode. Oh, so the Buffy 20 years episode. episode. Okay, all right. So, never mind. So, yeah. 30 so, years. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that, that interested me in this conversation, like taking it to the next level, is you want to feel sorry for this girl, even as you see that her invisibility is causing uh-huh. her to kind of go mad. Right. Is that in the end, she's taken away out of the situation and she's uh-huh. put in a classroom led by the government with other kids about learning how to become like assassins. And so it's still oh. like there's nothing good coming out of being invisible. Right, right, it's, right. Yeah. It's used for nefarious and, means and I think that's, every time. That's kind of what what Wells is going for, right? Yeah. Is uh, I think two, twofold. Again, we got to think of him as being a socialist. He's really talking about the corruptibility of man. And when you get a power that nobody else has and you decide to use that power for your own good... You know, like it's really easy to start exploiting people. And we see a lot of that quote unquote mischief in this movie as he, he goes around. I think the one thing that I don't have as much sympathy for or, or, or rather like, like I have more sympathy for is he like robs a bank. And, <laughs> and, and, and but he doesn't just rob a bank so he can get the money. He robs the bank so he could give the money to other people. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, yeah, fuck that bank. Yeah. Like, I'm OK They're with insured. that. They're I think, insured. I don't even think it's about the insured thing. I well, think, they wouldn't I have been insured at like, the time, I don't think. I, I don't know if they had insured. Oh, yeah. They, no, they were. Because uh, well, it's in the middle of the you know Depression what? still. I don't, so. I don't know enough about. I'm not going to lie. I don't know enough about the creation of the the um, the U.S. Uh, Treasury. I don't either. I don't know when the FDIC came into effect. Right. I, I, I'm just assuming I it was like during it was the, the Great Depression. I feel like it was in the, the 40s. Yes. Yeah, so. I, I definitely think it was. It, no, you're right. It, it was definitely after. Uh, the depression, yeah. because, because the the whole problem of of the stock market crash and why everybody you know kind of went crazy was because banks couldn't you know couldn't insure uh, right. their lenders or, or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I just I don't have a lot of sympathy for banks Mm-mm. that that just you know exist to take your money and then uh, make more money from your money. Yes, yeah. you know, return that power to the people. 
And then when you like, this hasn't happened to me in years, but like, say you overdraw an account and then like they charge you. Oh yeah, the poverty that, tax. I never understood that. No, I never it's, understood. It's, it's absolutely like, If I can't ridiculous. pay my bills already and I'm struggling yeah. to get behind and like get like uh, I'll get overdrawn, you're going to charge me more I th- money. I think that it's, having worked for a bank <laughs> in the past, I th- I think the the mentality there is like, well, we floated it for you and we covered it, so you got to owe us money. That's a hell of an interest rate. Oh no, you're absolutely right. I think it's it's totally ridiculous. Especially if you go in the negative for like a pack of gum. So this is it. <laughs> like this is my secret. I'm going to share my secret with you. dollars. My secret was uh, anytime somebody went overdrawn when I worked at the bank, yeah. I would just get rid of their overdraw fees. <laughs> they they just come in and they'd be like, uh, you know, I'd say like, well, you know, I couldn't give them money, yeah. uh, you know, like if they came for a deposit or something, I'd be like. Uh, sorry, you're overdrawn. Um, but the moment they made a deposit, I would, I would, uh, oops, banking error in your favor. You know, like, like <laughs> I just get rid of their overdraw fees. So that... you're not going to get in trouble with the Fed for like admitting that on. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, on the positive side, if you do, that means we're getting really popular because somebody from the Fed listened to our episode. <laughs> Someone from the Fed said, "No, you can't do that." No, it's a, it's an institutional policy, just like when I was working at the library. Someone would come in with their with their uh their like late fees. Like some people would come in and they'd have like like twenty dollars in late fees, and they'd be like, "Oh, sorry, this book's overdue." I'm like, no problem. I just delete their fucking late fees. I, I never cared. I'm all about, like, it's return like, the power to the people. Here, here it is. Hello. Yep. Yes, sir? Uh, hi, I'm I'm from uh, the Department of the Treasury. Are you Trevor Williamson? Did you just admit something? <laughs> yes, our podcast is getting popular. The, the Treasury doesn't dictate whether or not you you overdraft I fees. No, the overdraft fees are institution. It's a money making scheme. <laughs> the institution scheme. Yeah, sets their own uh, overdraft fee. Like like, but that doesn't whatever. work for my comedy bit. Like, oh yeah, right. Know. Yeah, okay. But I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to prison for returning. It's not. It's not even like I return money to people i just it, it was more like i just got rid of your fake debt <laughs> that's what i did i forgave you for being human we 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 absolutely agree that this is for it's bullshit like charge it's a bullshit charge well, that's why I, that's yeah. i was yeah that's yeah. why behind the scenes i'm just like, oops yeah. forgot about your overdraft fees we just shared an industry secret that is going to crumble the banking institutions. <laughs> yeah, of yeah I'll tell you right now. I mean, like, you know, some, some tellers could definitely get in trouble. I'm not going to lie. But I was it's like, who, what? Was the the bank owner going to come in his toupee and tell me, oh, you really shouldn't be waiving $20 overdraft fees? Most of them didn't even know they were there. <laughs> the... <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this, Trevor. You shouldn't be doing this. How else am I going to pay for my toupee? <laughs> <laughs> guy, and my wife's guy. boob job. Oh, that guy's <laughs> toupee was too much, too much. Oh my god. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, he, you know, he commits these acts of violence, and and some of them are like legitimately acts of violence, and yeah. I, I don't necessarily believe that I like them. But there's a there's a, a kind of a B plot, if you will, where he meets Griffin meets this. Um, this other scientist that used to be like one of his peers and he kind of like explains what was going on with his uh, experiments and, and how he's desperate to, to kind of turn back to a man, you know, to turn back to a person instead of this invisible dude. And um, that's the, the next sequel, by the way, invisible dude, invisible dude. Yeah. Invisible man, in, invisible dude, invisible dog. 
Invisible dog. Yeah, that's a, that's you a just fun see one. for like invisible dude. You just see a surfboard. Yeah, like a wave. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> He's hanging ten, maybe I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go for a slice after this. <laughs> Piece of slice floating in the, in the air. Bites getting taken out of it. You don't see who's doing it. <laughs> He's in his board shorts. Um. <laughs> He's just lathered in sunscreen. You can see the sunscreen, but not the guy. But and slowly the sunscreen fades into the skin. So it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So over the, the course of the day. Do you want to go smoke one? Well, bro. <laughs> Let's go light a blunt. And you just see the smoke coming out. <laughs> it's like you're invisible, dude. <laughs> That's how much we have to say about the invisible man. We just keep going off on these tangents. On these tangents. No, but I think. When he's isolated, right? I mean, like, that's the whole point is it's the invisibility isolates him so severely. And when you're so severely isolated, y- you turn to evil. I-, I feel like this is the same thing that James Whale will return to. And, and, and like, all three of his horror movies, I think, mm-hmm. are really um, kind of pointed in the same direction. This is the reason why I think the girlfriend works for me in this movie a lot more um, as an addition. Well, we saw it didn't work for the monster. <laughs> right, right no but but i think in the invisible man um the girlfriend kind of grounds him in his humanity yeah. right and, and because the whole point is isn't that like ro- like love do. necessarily like romantic love will anchor you although sure we can we can argue that i think it's, it's just about the relationships i think yeah. it's about belonging Right. Whether you belong to one person or you belong to a group, you know, a community. And I think that the thing we see about the invisible man is that when divorced from brotherhood, when divorced from relationships, when divorced from the other people around him because he can't be seen or because he can't engage with them as directly as he had when he was visible, he turns to this kind of evil. Yeah. And and I think for Wells, it's the same in the novel, right? The idea, the whole point is that um, by anchoring ourselves to, to the collective, by anchoring ourselves to the people around us and understanding that all of these people have a role to play in society, then we make better ethical decisions. And one of the reasons why we continue to see so many Jeff Bezos billionaires have terrible fucking takes and end up enacting terrible uh, uh, decisions that hurt a lot of people is because their their power removes them from the collective. Yep. The power removes them from the people around them and turns them evil. Well, and I think about that, that movie too, The Social Network, where it shows like he was kind of already unpopular a little bit oh yeah you're talking mark mark well uh not mark mark Wahlberg. <laughs> mark zuckerberg mark zuckerberg the robot he was kind of already <laughs> unpopular anyway and so like yeah. he's at the end of the movie and he, he's like sitting there like looking for people to like friend him yeah 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 on I, Facebook. Uh, yeah, that's and, why that's why i like tom from myspace yeah with this super white shirt I don't. I don't actually like Tom from MySpace. Well, there's I, I a there's a callback. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> yeah, your first friend was always Tom, creator of MySpace, and he'd send you a little message. Hey, welcome to MySpace. Where are you at now, Tom? How's it going, I think Tom? He's dead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I'm just making that up. I'm just making that up. Uh, well, we know MySpace is dead. Right. MySpace, yeah. My, you used to go, you, you could have music play on your page on MySpace. That was I the know. coolest thing. Everybody had fucking. Can't do that on Facebook. No, everybody had uh, fucking, uh, what was that? What was that popular 2000s band? 
Black Eyed Peas? No, it wasn't Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> it was the, the white it was Green Day. Green, oh, Green Day. Day. Everybody had Green Day on their profile picture. <laughs> you were saying that like a seventy-year-old man. What's that? What's that? Green Day. That was super popular with everybody in the early two thousands. They were also popular in the nineties. What was that band that I've forgotten it's about? It's the Green in my Day. Old day, the Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> they had that album Dookie. <laughs> they did. Their album is called Dookie. They're one of their early albums. I remember American Idiot. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I feel like that's my take on on Invisible Man. I f- I think this is actually this is one of those movies that I feel like. Actually, does have something to say, um, but because the themes aren't necessarily as dense or densely packed in the movie, I feel because I feel like this is a movie that really the spectacle does take the front seat, yeah, and the the themes kind of take the back seat. Well, this is also reflected in the sequels too, because they one of the things I was reading about was that I mentioned that the the sequels, unlike the other sequels and the other monster films, aren't as continuous. They don't have the characters carrying over from previous. Mm. movies there is a callback to i think um uh griffin's brother in the sequel to the invisible man but mm-hmm. then as they move on in the later movies there's no there's no right, there's nothing to, to really tether them back yeah yeah unlike at least with with some of the late you know in, in daughter of dracula we know it's you know she's right. the daughter of dracula right. even though bella lugosi doesn't yeah. show up and, and i think that this is i mean this is a recurrent problem with a lot of sequels yeah. right like losing the thematic re- resonance is one of the and reasons I read, why like, a good invisible girl or is like invisible woman do. is is not even like it's more of a comedy even even like oh, but you know what? Yeah. Pro- entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. A, gu- a good sequel is is really difficult to do. I think a, a really good sequel has to have a voice of its own, and it yeah. needs to be able to say something that that still contributes to the conversation. Uh, I think maybe perhaps begun by the first book. Yeah, um, and that's why I think after a while, like like the, the for the rest of this decade, I think we see some lackluster sequels. Like we mentioned, Brian Frankenstein already. Plenty, but we see some lackluster sequels, and it doesn't get revamped or re-upped again until 1941. Is that with, right? With uh, the Wolfman Wolf is the next original, and then uh, and then they start from doing the Black Lagoon and Creature, and then but before, they have a lot of Creature was like from the 1950s. But yeah, they start doing all the crossovers yeah. in the 40s. And I do want to talk yeah. about the crossovers because yeah. I think they're interesting, but perhaps not necessarily thematically complex. Yeah, yeah, we're. I, I think that's. But that, folks, if you've listened to these last two episodes, that's why we're probably not going to harp on each of the crossovers and each of the sequels mm-hmm. as much because there's just not. They were cash grabs. That's all they right. really were. It's it's less interesting, I think, to to try to go and and look at all of these crossovers because yeah. again, the, the, thematically, they're just not all that compelling. I even think some though, of them had moments. Like yeah. I, like the isn't there a conversation we might get to it between like the Wolfman and Frankenstein? When yeah, they, they there, like... there are definitely some some interesting moments for yeah. sure. I, and I'm not saying don't watch these movies. Yeah, but I am saying that the biggest I think the biggest cultural uh, relevance these movies have today are still going to be their thematic re- resonance. Yeah, and, and I think that it it just becomes less um, engaging. Uh, for for a dialogue when there's not that thematic resonance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So um, even as influential as these movies were, and I've been, I've heard that this movie has been called kind of the first uh, science fiction film. 
or the first like mainstream science fiction film. I don't know that I believe that because I know King Kong came before, yeah. and uh, I know that I mean even Frankenstein, well, Frankenstein came, came before. before. Um, but it, there have been some qualifications that like, well, they're not really science fiction; they're horror, and this one is much more science fiction mm. than it is horror. Um, but I, I still think, you know, like this movie has had its place. It's, yeah. It has had its conversation. It has had its influence. Um, and I think that the, the conversations that it provokes, thematically speaking, about the use of power and its abuse frequently shows up in shows about superheroes, in shows about f- more invisibility with mm-hmm. like, like uh, Bacon Man. Yeah, and like Buffy and like the 2020 version we saw. I mean, right. this is rehashing the same themes all Why, over again. Is it Hollow Man? Hollow Man. Oh, my God. Good one. I saved it. Okay. We can now publish this episode, everybody. We have to go back <laughs> and, and research the, it. The, and then the 20 re- minutes we sit around trying to figure out what the <laughs> stupid movie's called. <laughs> Hollow Man. Yeah. Hollow well, Man. That just, shows, that just goes to show like how how influential that movie was other than seeing right yeah other than seeing kevin bacon as a bad guy or not right. seeing him right, as right, it were right. <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean i think it and and it definitely from a special effects standpoint yeah. uh, it did so much so much uh great special effects yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Well, I, I feel like uh, that's our our episode. Yep. I do want to actually just I kind of piggyback off the conversation about sequels and good sequels, mm-hmm. um, and and promote two books that I read uh, fairly recently: cool. uh, "Clown in a Cornfield" and "Clown in a Cornfield Two: Friendo Lives," both by Adam Caesar. That sounds like straight out of the eighties. Like they're, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> they're so good. The it, titles, I mean, the titles. Yeah, sound straight no, out of they're the 80s. they're very. It's, it's very. It's very slasher uh laden i did, i believe i i recommended them in the in one of yeah, the previous you did. episodes yeah, you did in the book. i'm a go- i'm gonna recommend them again if you haven't read those books read them when, when we talk when i talk about what makes for a successful yeah. sequel and it's got to be thematically resonant like fucking clown in a cornfield 2 thematically resonant beautiful yeah. it's such a good book you know i i haven't thought about a sequel i don't have one in that vein but i was thinking about um about our book recommendations and if we haven't aired it yet then we will air it soon i oh, think I maybe thought, we... i thought it definitely already aired oh maybe it did i don't know we're, <laughs> we're caught in that weird time warp again people <laughs> we haven't dropped it yet um but we but, will drop it maybe i'll drop it today i feel like um, you should drop it yeah um we but, say today and it's two weeks in the f- future for yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody else it is it's still today <laughs> um but one that resonates for me is uh, that I didn't l- mention on my list. Now that I've finished it, now that I finally uh-huh, finished yeah, it, yeah. is Cena Palayo's um, oh, Children of man. Chicago. And see, I've been reading uh, Into the Woods and all the way through. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, She's, th- the yeah. title. Uh, it's like true crime poetry. Yeah. And at the time of recording, and at the time of the recording, she just had a birthday yesterday. So we'll oh, say it again. Happy awesome. birthday, Cena. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday, she's, Cena. She's such a delight. She uh, is she, like she she really she went out of her way uh when when we met her at SoCon. Um just to to do what I'm sure for her felt like small favors, but were really big things for us. So they were and really great. You know, I, I still want to get her on the show at some point, and I I think that's going to be phenomenal. The, the invitation is out there. It is out there. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's what we're at. Um, we've got uh, the anthology coming up. We're working on uh, it. Should be out by Halloween, I think. We've got our radio mm-hmm. dramas. We've got uh, Joe Taylor's Bad Form, and yeah, I, that's coming. And since we're recommending books, why not J.R. Billingsley's A Mindful of Scorpions Heck and yeah. K.A. Huff's Ground Control and oh, yeah. Curtis Harrell's Mel Pomeney's Garden. Y- you know what? You can't go. You can't go wrong. Yeah, you um, can't go wrong with any of those. And tells us Lighthouse Twenty Twenty One. I mean, we've got a you ton can't of stuff. go. You cannot go wrong. They're they're like five bucks for and, an ebook. Yeah, they're cheap. Grab one. But if you're like me and you don't like ebooks, get a hard copy. Get a hard copy. They're not that expensive. You know what? And if you put an order in through our website, you get a discount, a small one. Yeah, and 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 uh, I'll say, you know, Jeremy and I, we can absolutely uh, sign Tales of Slayhouse 2021 or Mindful of Scorpion. Sure, why not? We can't we can't make that happen with the other books. Sorry. Yeah. Uh you know what? Maybe we could probably make Mopomini's garden work. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Ask us and we'll find out. We'll figure it out. We'll try and find a way to figure it out. Don't expect it. Don't like order and exp- I mean order it and you're free to order it, but don't order and expect it. Like message us when you order it and see what we can do. And and we'll see what we can do to, to Oh, we we can absolutely sign the the other ones. Possibly. We'll see. I think we can. I th- I the only one I think logistically, we, we have, I'm trying to figure out how. The, I think the only one that we would have it. I'm. This is me urging Jeremy to do something special <laughs> just for you, just for being a listener to the show. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I. I'm pretty sure we. Could, the only one we couldn't get signed would be uh, the new one or or the. Uh, uh, Tell you what, if Karen's you want to order through the website. Send us a message along with your order and say, "Hey, I was listening to the episode and I would like a signed we're copy." Gonna fi- we're gonna figure it out, and we will see what we'll we can do to sign out. the copy and send yep. them to you. All right, everybody, that was it. We'll see you next time.